We are here to chew bubblegum and make a podcast about John Carpenter's 1988 cult classic, They Live. And we are all out of bubblegum. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Oh, hey there, listener. Welcome to another episode of Magnificently Huge Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. This week, we're going to dive into the deep waters for a little cult classic swim around John Carpenter's They Live, a little 1988 pseudo-indie where he kind of delves into an allegory about consumerism, capitalism, and Reaganism all being kind of bad for us, and, you know, in the guise of aliens taking over the world and you know, Rowdy Roddy Piper kicking some ass and taking names and chewing bubblegum. That's a big scene in there. You'll have to listen if you don't know it. Uh, by the way, if you haven't seen this movie, hit stop now. Go watch it. You really owe yourself that. And then come back and uh, listen to us wax rhapsodic about the entire endeavor. Because we love this movie. We definitely rank it higher in his oeuvre, Mr. Carpenter. And uh, we thank him for making it. Uh, and we hope you enjoy. So, uh, yeah, without much uh, other ado... We're going to get into it. But first, uh, if you like what we had to say, we invite you to email us directly uh, at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. We like any takers who will give us feedback, opinions, uh, recipes, etc., etc. Uh, you can also head on over to our social media feeds. We're on Twitter, Magnificently Huge Podcast, I believe is that. Well, at MagHuge, I think is how they do it over on the Twitter. Uh, go ahead and uh, like our page if you would. Follow along. Uh, give us some comments and likes and retweets, etc. however they do that over there. Or you can find us on Facebook, it's Magnificently Huge Podcast. Same thing. You know, follow the page, subscribe, whatever they do over there. Give us thumbs up, uh, share us around. And uh, we're also on Instagram if you like the pictures that we do for this here podcast. Uh, they're always fun. So any feedback there is also welcome. Uh, then you can find us anywhere the podcasts are purveyed. You're listening now, so you've obviously found one of those spots. But iTunes is a big one. We invite you to head over there. Give us a five-star rating. Sure, why not? Uh, leave us a stunning review that we can uh, read on air and uh, really just sort of bask in our own glory uh, because you really like us. Or if you don't, oh, why do they hate us? Uh, it's just one of those things. So yeah, do that or uh, head on over to uh, maghuge.com. That's our website where we've got site links, etc., etc. So yeah, that's the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, I've wasted enough of your time. You're going to waste even more with the stellar fun conversation about John Carpenter's They Live. Are you ready to <laughs> rumble? <laughs> sure. You, okay, sure. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. Robot roll call. Uh, I'm Eric. <laughs> I'm Brian. This is Chris. And together Crow? we're... Crow? Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's magnificently huge 3K is what we're... we're 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 silly tonight. We're just we're silly. Yeah, it's uh, we're yeah. The, the recording schedule is a little bit skewed, so this is all like weird. This happens. It's yeah. fun, but it's weird. Right? It's been only right? days since we did our 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 Emmy award winning broadcast on songs that are good from <laughs> bands that aren't. Yeah, and it's yeah. 
Fresh yes. shit. Oh, I said it. This shit is fresh. Oh, shit. That is fresh. This stuff is really fresh. So this is the challenge. Do people have fresh shit given the short time frame? <laughs> I've always got fresh shit. I've, I always figured that you would hold stuff in your, your fresh shit bag, I, Brian. I told you that I was doing it last yeah, time, yeah. so yeah. So I count yeah, on I that. Some. I count on that because I know Eric doesn't ever have anything. Brian will always chamber around. He'll always <laughs> have something ready. So welcome to the Fresh Shit, where we talk about stuff we've kind of done, sort of, uh, in the last duration. Stuff we've uh, watched. Stuff you should yeah. probably watch, too, unless we tell you not to. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, I want to hear what Brian has to say. What do you think, Eric? Go. Go. Yeah, okay. okay good. So, um, I've been watching The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, and Chris, you had you had brought this up a couple weeks back. I yeah, I've sort of I'm on hiatus. I crapped out because uh, it's how far'd you get? Like three episodes, maybe. It's tough. Okay, it's very languid in its pacing, and uh, it is. Yeah, so. It's I'm about I'm about halfway through. I'm about five episodes in now. Okay, and I don't. I think I'm getting more out of it than you were. Um. So yeah, I mean, this is the Game of Thrones of puppet shows. <laughs> yeah, basically, right? yeah. Like, yeah. there's like <laughs> so much plot and so many characters and so many settings and all this stuff is going on at once, and it's a puppet show. Um, but it's a good one. Like, so first of all, they do things that puppets are better at than like CG effects, right? So there's just all sorts of goo and hair and cloth and just things yeah. interacting with other things that that really justify doing it with puppets which i i'm appreciative yeah. of i applaud that they went practical honestly because uh, because yeah. of that reason it just there's a certain artistry to it because any joker with a laptop can sit down and you know build something but <laughs> for a puppet show like this takes that takes an army of people who know what the fuck they're doing it's it's <laughs> impressive but I'm curious if you're having this reaction, Chris. For all the characters and all the plot and all the stuff, the most interesting things are like the incidental establishing shots where they just pan across a scene and there's like critters and stuff. Yeah. That, that don't have anything to do with anything. Well, that, that right? sort of follows from Jim Henson anyway. Like the original Dark Crystal's got a lot of that tertiary stuff going on. And then, oh, oh, wait, there's a big puppet doing a scene. Okay, get to it. So, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I really appreciate about this is that it's. It's a proper kids show in the old vein in which by which I mean almost every episode has at least one scene in it that is designed to fuck kids up. <laughs> like there's a there's a critter that eats your eyeball that is attacking the camera first person at the end of one episode. Um there's another uh monster that is like this whole patch of like basically tentacles with mouths on them that are trying to kill the characters. Uh just Really fun, nasty, nasty designs that do horrible things to mess up kids. I'm, I'm all for this. Yeah, they, they, and they definitely take a lot of time to put it all together, which is what's the most interesting. I mean, from a technical standpoint, it's astonishing. But again, yeah. it's, it's very much European pacing. Uh, so it's, there's a whole lot of nothing going on in between all the stuff that's going on. And uh, it's hard for me. But... I'll, yeah, that's I'll get fair. there. I'll get there. And then the last thing I'll say about it is the Skeksis character of Chamberlain is just a magnificent 
design, a magnificent character design. And it was that way in the original 80s Dark Crystal, but just the way this character's face is sculpted, it tells you everything you need to know about this unctuous, manipulative, asshole character. Yeah. It's it's such a great design. Well, and plus the, the voice acting is fun because you've got like Simon Pegg yep. in there. You've got Jason Isaacs in there, Eddie Izzard. Uh, Mark Hamill. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, this and, huge cast. Yeah, and Taron Egerton is uh, the main uh, uh, Gelfling, <laughs> and like, I don't yeah, like him. but all I can think of is now is Rocket Man <laughs> when I sure. hear him speak. So it kind of that's distracting, but otherwise, yeah, voice cast is quite impressive. Yeah, okay. So I've got a theme to my fresh shit. I got two more things. The theme is everybody's trying to be the next Game of Thrones. So, um, <laughs> first, I'm gonna say I went and saw another one of those like premiere showings they showed at Alamo. I saw the first episode of the His Dark Materials series uh, they're doing on HBO. I saw the trailer for that over the summer. Um, I have not read the books. I have not seen The Golden Compass, which I'm told was a bad movie of some <laughs> of the books. Isn't I that, know nothing about this thing. Was Golden Compass the one with uh, Daniel Craig and the giant polar yeah. bear? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Okay. So this is uh, his dark materials. Our lead character will be played by the girl who was the the junior Miss Wolverine in Logan. <laughs> um, we've got the the psycho killer chick from uh, Luther in it. We've got um, uh, the new Professor X, whatever his name is. I can't remember anybody's name all of a sudden. Uh, it was in uh, Split. That guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we know. Uh, yeah. He's in it. Yeah, and then Lin-Manuel Miranda, I guess, will turn up. He wasn't in the pi- the first episode. Um, what can I say about this? I don't know anything about it. There's an awful lot of world-building going on, the languid pace, and yet the reviews I'm reading from people who've read the book say it's moving way too fast, and I'm like, really? Because, like, something needs to happen. It's, um, it's it always strikes me it was kind of that was one that instead of going for Lord of the Rings it was trying to do the line the witch in the wardrobe it was trying to be yeah, it was trying Harry to be Potter. A, yeah like a little hard edge Narnia I guess yeah is always the vibe I got yeah so there's something about parallel worlds and all of that um, that they're foreshadowing I I don't have a read on this I sat through the first episode and I'm like I don't know it it might be good. It might be crap. I cannot tell. I watched a whole episode of it. No idea what I make of this thing. <laughs> that's that's uh, a ringing endorsement. Yeah. yeah dam- no, it's not. It's damning <laughs> phrase, I would say. <laughs> Holy shnikes. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to give it a couple more episodes to see if I care. I mean, I, I watched that Carnival Row thing a while back, yeah. uh, which was another you know pretender to the Game of Thrones. Um, well, how's and, uh, how's McAvoy's yeah. accent in this? McAvoy, that's his name. Uh, I suppose it was fine. I wasn't annoyed by it. Did he? Is he so, doing? Uh, is he doing his English or is he doing Scottish? See, I've already forgotten, so I don't know. <laughs> you know, you know if he was I doing Scottish. Think it was English. I don't care. I'm not yeah. focused on his accent. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> is it one of those really? You're just like. Please, God, just let it end so that I can say I watched it. 
That's what I'm, I'm no, sound. That's what it sound like. I mean, the problem I'm having with it is it was interesting when it wasn't focused on the girl who was apparently going to be the lead character. Those scenes were slow and plotting, and I don't know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the actress necessarily, but it just felt like the the editing was just dull when she was on it, her scenes. Other scenes were kind of neat. Um, How does it look? I don't know. It. I mean, they definitely spent the money on this thing. There's yeah. there's all kinds of uh, CG talking animals. Because um, every, I guess everybody in this world has uh, a little familiar. They call them demons, spelled D-A-E-M-O-N. And I guess the deal is when you get to be a certain age, your demon picks its final form. But until then, it can shapeshift into whatever it wants to. So our little girl's demon is constantly turning into different stuff, like ferrets and birds and Aww. things. <laughs> there is, yeah. That's the same response There's... Eric had to Iago in uh, Aladdin. Oh, <laughs> it... Aww. Aww. There, there is a, there is a group of people that is stealing little children away, uh, for whatever reason. Aww. Uh, and. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is that the guy the guy who is the main guy in this group of child nappers um his demon is a fox a little cg fox and there's a scene where a kid's walking down a hall and the cg fox's silhouette walks across the back and all i can think of was dora and the lost city of gold and i'm like swiper no swiping but well that's anyway. a sub reference none of us will get because <laughs> yeah. you're the only one that saw that movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> And yet you're laughing anyway, so there you go. Uh, well, because I'm imagining uh, the porno version, so. <laughs> wow. Wow. Aww. So I'm going to probably watch a few more of those. I'll let you know how it progresses. I wouldn't bother with it yet, at All least right. until not there's some, some more episodes. But then that leads me to my other Game of Thrones pretender. Been watching the new Watchmen on HBO. I've been hearing about it. I haven't watched it because I don't have the HBO. Hmm. I so so I want to I want to know this so it's not a straight adaptation of, not even of at the grab it's like some sort of like extension of the universe right? thirty years later okay it it is the world of Watchmen thirty years hence the the world so, of the film Watchmen not not the no book. the world of the comic book Watchmen oh, De- okay. explicitly not the film there's there's squids falling from the sky in this thing oh okay. good okay. Um, although, and at least what we've seen so far is it's just like a, a rainstorm of squids, like hail, like little tiny squids, and everybody has to kind of take shelter. Aww. Unexplained. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> little squids splatting all over the place. Um, like in the porno but- version. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> this is, this is going in circles. I'm, I'm getting lost. <laughs> Um, they, they haven't really done a lot of referencing of the characters that were contemporary in the Watchmen book, but they're definitely hitting the Minutemen, uh, specifically Hooded Justice, uh, is probably the most we've seen. Um, and he's, I don't think it's, go he's, ahead. He's the one with the, the noose around his neck, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, there's a, there's a character who is a 
was a little kid during the Tulsa riots where uh, they reenact the Tulsa riots and lynchings and, and also this is a very, very racial show. Like Damon Lindelof, white man doing a show. Oh my God. About if the the lost guy. Blacks. Fuck him. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm not watching it then. <laughs> Cause he screwed me twice now on lost and on, uh, left behind. Um, yeah, the leftovers. The leftovers. Yeah, yeah. that's this is his Watchmen. Yeah, the leftovers had like this huge amount of promise, and then I get to the end of it, and I'm like, oh, fuck you. Uh, yeah, I'm not trusting that man no mo. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know <laughs> what to twice. make of uh, of Watchmen. <laughs> yeah. Watchmen is, I mean, the, so the soundtrack is by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, so yeah. it's got that going for it. The how, do you, how does it stack? Color up? palette and cinematography is a uh, really Smart, uh, definitely evocative of the comics. How does it stack up to what? How does the music stack up to the other stuff that he's done, like Social it Network? It sounds exactly like everything he's and, done, and the Vietnam I mean, War, all that. Yeah, it, it sounds. It sounds like it's all either. It's all either Batman or The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. Um, sure. Um, yeah, Watchmen. One of the things that's interesting is if you think about the actual book, like none of the characters other than Dr. Manhattan was actually a superhero. They were just kind of regular people who put on costumes. Yeah. And they were crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and in this Watchmen, that's taken that's taken very seriously. So like the costumes are barely costumes. Like the people who are dressing up basically are like, Yeah, I'm gonna kinda like just put some makeup around my eyes and, and wear a bandana around my mouth and pull up a hood. That's that's about as much as you get. Or I'm gonna put on a ski mask, you know, like the the masks that people are wearing are barely masks. It's it's all kind of done on the on the cheap. Would you be better you know, served watching Kick-Ass 2? Different entirely, right? Like, <laughs> okay. I mean, Kick-Ass 2 has more of a superhero thing. This is very much a show about racial tension and, you know, the cops are putting on masks so that they can avoid repercussions for the, you know, how shitty they're being. Okay. And the uh, the big twist here in this world is that Robert Redford became president after Nixon in like the 80s and he's been president for 30 years and has instituted like his liberal utopia and has paid reparations oh, to the to the black yeah. so like one of the first scenes is a white guy getting pulled over by a black cop and being super nervous uh because the black cops are are going to beat up on the white guy oh this sounds uh. Now it really sounds offensively bad. <laughs> yeah, I can hear Eric clawing out his eyeballs yeah. already. It is really asking for it. Like they they had better stick their landing or they're in trouble. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, when you when you finish this one, let me know how it compares to the boys, which is the Amazon one, because I really yeah. really really like which is the genius. Boys. Yeah, yeah. That, it's that totally one's different great. vibe. Okay. Right? Like the okay. boys, the boys is fun and dark. This is just dark. Okay. Um, there's say- a lot of folks who are going to be pissed off because the 30 years after he was around, Rorschach's uh, symbols have been co-opted by the white supremacists. <laughs> Which so happens. like 
all the all the white militia dudes are wearing Rorschach masks, and there's a lot of Rorschach fans that are pissed. I off. want I want Alan Moore to get a YouTube channel so I can just watch him looking at the camera and going, "Oh fuck <laughs> you, yeah. fuck exactly. you." Uh, yeah, David Lemondoloff has some good interviews about about that, about how um, you know Alan Moore is very much not down with this. And he had to come to terms with it because he's a big Watchmen fan, he says. And he's like, at some point, Alan Moore was saying, fuck you to the people who came before him. And so now, in order for me to make Watchmen, I have to say, fuck you to Alan Moore. And yet, and he's definitely doing so. Well, does Alan Moore own the rights to this? Because at some point... Clearly he's, not. He's the one He has no interest in it being yeah, adapted at all. Yeah, so it, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword. But yeah, if he owned yeah. the rights and he was complaining, well, yeah, fuck him. But no, well, Warner it's Brothers owns it. Yeah, they always want to get his blessing though, because of course he's a genius and everybody knows it. But if if he says this is shit, and of course he said that about every adaptation of his <laughs> exactly stuff, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, then, he explicitly doesn't want his name on it. Yeah. yeah, the other guy has his name on it, but not the, Alan Moore. Okay. But the thing is, you know, that's a really interesting show. I'm gonna write that, jot that down for my ne- next thing. All of the Alan Moore adaptations, he's got a problem with, but not just because he's an asshole. He's got a specific, he's, it's like, uh, 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 well, I'm not even going to go into it now, but he's not yeah. wrong. You know, it's like they are all <laughs> yeah. shit. They all yeah. serve the purpose of somebody else who couldn't write their own goddamn thing. So they just yeah. lifted him. He's not crazy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's kind of like a legal theft, if you think yeah. of it. I'm going to take your idea and just sort of, you know, twist it around to my purposes, but I'm going to pay you some, somebody, some rights money. Yeah. So does Dr. Manhattan show up at all? So not yet, but they're definitely foreshadowing his return. Okay. He's on Mars. Okay. Um, I just want to know if they show his dingly dangly. That's all. So they do, we do have Ozymandias played by Jeremy Irons, uh, who is so far, he's kind of the tales of the Black Freighter in this show, in which they, they cut away to Ozymandias in his palatial estate somewhere, unconnected from everything else that's going on in the show, and he has these servants, and he's writing a play, and part of his play is the the genesis of Dr. Manhattan. And when that plays out, we learn that the guy, that his servants are all clones of each other because he actually burns one to death as, as part of producing his little play, uh, when Dr. Manhattan is locked in his uh, thing and it, you know, the experiment goes awry. And then, yeah, there is a guy who has his blue dick out um, <laughs> okay. being Dr. Manhattan on stage. There's the porno. Thank you. Yep. Aww. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I got. Uh, uh, okay. Did you do yeah. anything this week, Eric? Yeah, I, I got one. And this one's very quick. Uh, just like the show, because it's only six episodes, and it's called Zomboat. And oh it's, God! Uh, oh, oh fuck! God. No, this is great. It's it's okay in Birmingham. There is a zombie apocalypse. You know, like you you have, and yeah. these two women uh, escape on a canal boat. A canal boat goes two miles an hour. It just goes putt, 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 Yeah, putt, but putt. zombies can't swim, right? And they just, no, the zombies are just like walking along next to them on the canal. And nice. they're trying to outrun it. And they're trying to basically go the 150 miles to London on this, you know, 
putting boat. It's so funny, and it, it's and they they reference uh, zombie movies and zombie shows all over the place. They are very aware of it, and they they basically put in every real life moment you've ever thought watching one of those things. Like, well, doesn't like a car get stuck on top of a zombie? Why, yes, it does. You know. It, it, and and oh yeah and they try and they keep trying to like uh, uh, they keep stabbing this this zombie woman in the head trying to kill her just you know ah, ew, it's icky oh i felt it he had touched a bone ew. and they're like doing what you would do and but in this world you 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 zap them in the heart and they die not the head and just to show that all the zombie material is incorrect but well, this is like a vampire thing you know? yeah it's all made up yeah, yeah, and it's it's it. There, the first episode we were counting up. Okay, there's a Walking Dead visual reference. There's a Shaun of the Dead the reference. Dead. There's a Zombie yeah. Land. I mean, it's like they're very. They know they know they're doing this, but it's it's funny. It's not. It's not like oh Christ. Okay, I get it. You watch zombie shows. No, no, no. They've watched zombie shows and here's every problem they've had with a zombie show. And <laughs> okay. it's really it's, funny. It's because, it's, yeah, it doesn't go very deep. It's, you know, uh, these, these two, oh yeah. There's also two guys who, uh, well, yeah, there's two male characters. There's two female characters and they have lots of repartee and it's all very Birmingham. Oh, we got to catch <laughs> the boy. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, so it, are they, are they fast zombies or slow zombies? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think because there's a fresh zombie and she was kind of fast. Generally, they sort of lumber. So okay. they kind of do whatever the fuck they want. No, they're not 28 days later fast. Okay. Because uh, when that one came out 28 days later, I remember everybody losing their shit because the zombies were fast as yeah. if somehow that broke some law of nature. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, just get over. It's a fucking movie for fuck. I remember I mean, those, they're off to England. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember those conversations yeah. and I was just like, they're not zombies though. They're infected. You know, zombies are dead. Oh, These well, people that, aren't that dead yet. It. Okay. Yeah. And well, that's yeah. that okay. those these are the conversations I have with my zombie movie friends. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your imaginary zombie movie yeah. friends. And yeah. then they're not imaginary. Brian. They're on World of Warcraft. It's an <laughs> MMORPG. Oh fuck off. Yeah, Brian's over here going, I don't watch zombie movies, I don't care. And I'm like <laughs> and I'm like, but do they go fast or slow? Yeah. Which is it? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel no shame because I have not watched any puppet uh, Lord of the Rings <laughs> of, of Thrones you shows. You know, you I, should. I haven't even watched the, the, the Throne games or whatever. Uh, well, I did well, see a ever... preview for, for or, uh, uh, see or sight or view or whatever the fuck it's called. Some show that is a <laughs> knockoff of Throne of Games that uh, is going to be on that Apple Plus channel. And it looks just oh. as awful as anything. Yeah. Well, if you ever watch Game of Puppets, let us know. <laughs> we'll do. All right, Chris. Chris, what you got? <laughs> uh, let's see. What do I have? Oh, uh, a while back I mentioned this show that I found called Letter Kenny from Canada. Sure. Uh, it's on Hulu. Fucking hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it's it's grown on me quite extensively. Uh but they're on their like seventh season now, I guess. And they're very short seasons, but they're on their seventh one now. 
uh, and it's just as ridiculous. Uh, but this time around, it's still set in a small town in Ontario, uh, and they're still just a bunch of weirdos doing their weird small town stuff. But the references are, are fast and furious in this one. But the funny thing is, is they'll they'll reference some classic comedy thing, and then they'll totally call out the fact that they're referencing <laughs> the comedy thing. <laughs> so this season, they start out, they do a like a like a TV show on the cable access so that they can answer all of the agricultural questions that people keep bugging them about all the time anyway. So they figure they just have people calling, call it crack and ag. And then they start calling out whether it's like Wayne's world or, <laughs> uh, you know, before, <laughs> Wayne's world before they got the sponsorship from the arcade and that kind of stuff. And then they, they do one where they go into a, uh, a contest where they have to collect pennies from everybody to win, uh, something, and then they have like this whole double entendre uh, thing with cans and women with big breasts. And he's throwing these out and the girl's like, uh, I don't get it. He's like, have you ever seen airplane? No, I've never seen airplane. Oh, it's a shame. Never seen airplane. You ever seen a uh, naked gun? And then they like start rolling out all these Zucker, Zucker <laughs> double entendres in the middle of all of the jokes that they're doing around the, the pennies. It's like, Oh, come on. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> What I love, um, though, is I can totally hear the Canadian patois in your voice as you go, oh, no, I never heard of that. You know, it's- Oh, yeah. Well, the best thing about the show is that they've got all these catchphrases from all these weirdo characters, and they just get into your brain. I mean, like, they always start out going, uh, how are you now? Oh, fine, and you? That's how they oh, greet yeah. each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and then they have all the things like a, like an affirmative is that's a Texas size 10 <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's just a ridiculous show, but I, I think both of you would enjoy it immensely because it's basically just like a demented Andy Griffith because the town is just like 5,000 people uh, and there's lots of jokes about hockey and, uh, and things of that nature. Uh, but the one that got me this season was that one of their discussions they have around a table uh, involved doing like a mashup of who's the boss as a, like a TV show. Because they basically uh-huh. determined that anybody can sound like Tony Danza, and then they started, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then they started doing like title mashups to Who's the Boss, uh, and then it kind of devolved into just doing all these ridiculous other TV show mashups that they would like to see. I won't go into any of them because that'll ruin the, <laughs> the joke yeah. on the show. But uh, it reminded me very much of conversations we've actually had. So <laughs> it's it's Letter Kenny, and then I'm super excited because they're doing a live show tour in the spring. And we've already got our tickets, so I'll, nice. t- I'll talk to you about that one in April. So, wow, that's what I've been doing. A well, all right, I guess that's the fresh shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Fresh goes better. This is kind of a a, a cobbled together last minute hasty sort of show because uh, it dawned on me that as of this recording, uh, we are now one day out from the thirty fifth. 30, 31st anniversary of They Live. It debuted on... The significant 31st anniversary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it so I do remember the, 31st, the 30th anniversary of going, God damn it, it's been one year since They Live. Do you remember They, what, <laughs> they Live? It was awesome. <laughs> but I saw a bunch of stuff on it, and it made me laugh, because previous to that, I had seen all this stuff going around, all the people talking out about Blade Runner, and how we're now in November 2019, so we've actually officially caught up to Blade Runner. Mm. And then while I was wrapping my head around that, uh, I saw all these things pop up about They Live. Then I went, 
oh, shit. I remember seeing this in the theater <laughs> and mm. being blown away. And then now it's a thing because Carpenter has a, a deal where he makes movies that don't really get well received until like 15, 20 years later. And then suddenly they're big as shit and the biggest influential things ever made. Uh, this is one of them. So just thought I'd like to hear your thoughts on uh, on They Live. Well, let's let's assume that there are people in the audience who have no idea what They Live is. Uh, you want to give a quick plot synopsis? Sure. Uh, okay. So basically it's set in uh, the late 80s, uh, 1988. Reaganomics is a full swing the me decade and you've got a bunch of homeless people and roddy piper the former wrestler is sort of a transient can't find a job living in a homeless camp and then discovers by accident that uh aliens have taken over the world but they're doing it in such a way where they're hypnotizing people through television and media and through uh subliminal messaging to keep us docile and uh they can see the aliens with these special sunglasses that some underground militia thing has got going, and then he gets embroiled in that, and uh, eventually they decide that they're going to take out the aliens. It's sort of like a weird V situation, but instead of the Nazi allegory, it's all about how media is dumbing everybody down. Yeah. yeah. Is that, now, is that a fair assessment? I think, I think the thing that everybody remembers the most is a visual reference, which is... Um, the cuts between him putting the sunglasses on and taking the sunglasses off. And so he'll look at a billboard, and the billboard is just an advertisement for something. He puts the sunglasses on, the world is in black and white, and the billboard is just a big white sign that says, Obey. Yeah. Right? Like, there's the, all the, all the money like, says this is your go- real God. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, there's the, the cityscape where he looks out, and it's like... Instead of the billboards and the signs for the hotels and things, it's just like obey, consume, conform, work eight hours, sleep eight hours, play eight hours, watch TV, yep. <laughs> submit, marry and reproduce, obey yep. and conform. I mean, it's just like all these weird uh, like Orwellian slogans just hidden And the aliens, the aliens are just normal people, except they've got this makeup on their face that is this basically your skin has been ripped off your face makeup. Yeah, Um, they're sort of cadaver-like, basically. (laughs) And because every time you see them that way, everything's in black and white, they were able to keep the budget way in line because you, you get away with a lot more in black and white than you would in color. Yeah. With a makeup job like this. Yeah. It's basically the whole thing is just an allegory for how fucked Reaganism was and the 80s in general and uh, capitalism as a giant failed system. Oh, yeah. And they're they're not subtle about it either. The, the, <laughs> they really all. drive it home. There's a scene where he's looking at the TV and there's a guy and there's like, it's a new day in America and everything is better and the future is bright. And he looks at it and he with the sunglasses and just says... I knew it had to be something like this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the middle of the shopping. Well, the thing that's interesting, so a little like history on the making of this. So Carpenter made Big Trouble in Little China in what, like 85, 86. And that was like a super big budget uh, action comedy thing that no one got. And so it tanked <laughs> out of the gate. Uh, that one has gone on to become a massive cult classic, obviously. 
Uh, so studios didn't want to really give him any money. So he had to start figuring out ways to finance stuff. So he kind of went back to his indie roots. And then right after that, when he made Prince of Darkness, uh, which is the one about the, it's like Satan coming back through the future or some shit. It's a really trippy, uh, freaked out movie. And then he made, they live, uh, and they live open number one, the weekend that it came out. So that was like November 4th, 88. Uh, and then it went away almost immediately, Mm. sort of gestated and then became the thing on video as so many of these things that we talk about here. Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater with you when it came out. Yes. Dollar theater, I think is where I saw it. See, John Carpenter's one of those people who has a cult following for his work, and studio people hate those kinds of filmmakers because they can't yeah. push them around as much. So yeah. then they just sort of deep six whatever you know they put out. This one, I think he kind of knew that, and so he was like, "Well, then, fuck you. I'll make I'll make a movie for me." And yeah. it, it's so yeah. beautiful. I, yeah. There is there is okay. There is a six minute fight scene. There's a six-minute alley brawl. This is what made me go, oh, I love this film and I will forever. <laughs> that the, 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 the two protagonists have a fight where Rowdy Roddy Piper is trying to get the sunglasses on. Uh, yeah. Is that is that yeah. Keith David? Yeah, Keith, Keith yeah, David. Keith David, yeah. yeah. They're and fighting over put on yeah, some sunglasses. Yeah, just put on these sunglasses and look around. <laughs> Fuck you, man. Yeah. And so he punches yeah. him, so he punches him, and they get into a fight. And he keeps almost getting the sunglasses on, and then they start fighting again. Six yeah. minutes of like absolute bone crushing shit, like heads going into parking uh, 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 curbs and just like it, it, to the point, it's just sickening. And then they do it some more. It's like, yeah, it just, yeah, it keeps going out. No. I remember watching it in the theater going, this is pretty fun. And then it just keeps going and going. And then they're like, they hit a lull where they're just out of breath and you think, yeah. okay, and finally. Like, and then, yeah, and then they start up again. It's like, what in the fuck am I watching? Oh, man. I loved it so much. Oh, I remember yeah. just laughing myself silly in the theater because it's like, this is just ridiculous. Yeah, I was like, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is still uh, hope for the world. And it, that's like an hour into the movie, too. So that's after what what I think is the shining moment in the whole movie, after Roddy Piper has got the glasses on and he's seeing the aliens and then he has stolen the firearms from the two alien cops. And then he just Mm -hmm. starts indiscriminately murdering aliens on the street and then winds up in this bank and he's got the best line. It is probably of any John Carpenter movie ever. uh, When he goes, I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubble gum. I am all out of bubble gum. And then he just starts shooting aliens. It's like so the story on that is that Roddy Piper actually wrote that line. And for, that yeah, it, for his wrestling. It was in an, yeah, it was in a notebook of lines he would use in wrestling. And Carpenter read the notebook and was like, oh, that one. We're using that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like that. And then the, the other one after uh, the fight scene, and he turns to Keith David and just like, uh, what is it? Life's a uh, bitch. Life's a and bitch. She's back and in she's heat. back in. Heat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like I. I remember it. thinking it's it's such a shame that Roddy Piper didn't get more work after right? that because he was really good in this. But I realized the problem is nobody ever did anything this good. If if John Carpenter had sort of taken him in as his new uh, Kurt Doug, uh, uh, Kurt 
Kurt Russell. 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 Uh, yeah, he could have he could have done more, but there was nothing yeah. as good as this film. Well, which is funny because Carpenter had actually almost cast Kurt Russell in the role of Nada, uh, but then he started looking back and he's like, "Well, I used him in Escape everything. <laughs> I used him in the yeah. thing. I used him in Big Trouble in China." He's like, uh, "I need a new guy. I need a yeah. new guy." Uh, you, it wouldn't have been as good because. It, Kurt Russell would have taken it seriously and even Pliskin did a little. Yeah. Roddy Piper treats it like it should be treated as a pro wrestler. I look at this <laughs> one. Yeah. He looks okay. I look at this real lady. Real fucking ugly. I mean, real fucking ugly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the one, yeah, the, the one alien touching their hair up in the, the reflection in the window. He's like, that's like putting perfume on a pig. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I love the, I love the moment also when he's having his freak out after he's just put on the glasses and he's shouting about what he can see. And the, one of the aliens reaches her, her watch up to her mouth. I got one that can see. Yeah. <laughs> and then, they all come, then they all start coming after him and then, yeah. and then he gets the gun and he starts killing him. And then one like is like, I've spotted him. He's in this spot. And then the guy just vanishes into thin air, and yeah. it's like you are way outmatched, dude. Yeah. It's it, there's a lot of nice like B movie touches. It's got yeah. a very heavy uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers vibe, which I dig. Yeah, uh, but it's also very much of the '80s because it's a giant middle finger to everything capitalist uh, mm-hmm. that was yeah. wrong. Yeah, I mean, even it, now, it's it sort of uh, has very large echoes into what we're dealing with today. It's very weird. <laughs> Another line that Carpenter ripped from somebody else is towards the end of the movie. There's a there's a guy who turns out to be a collaborator with the aliens, and uh, I guess he that guy was given a line that one of the producers gave to uh, said to Carpenter was like, "What what's wrong with selling out? Everybody does it. There's nothing sinister about that." <laughs> yeah, really. Well, that's the the beauty of the movie. It's all about how. Evil is just banal. I mean, it's just eh, give them give them money; they're happy. It's fine. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it goes it's, on. It's not a complicated movie. It's not a long movie. It's no. very much an eighties A to B to C. You know, this well, is the, what's happening. Guys well, got a gun. People shoot at each other. Kind of yeah. movie. Well, the, I like the fact that it's a slow burn too. I like the subversiveness of this movie because if it's an allegory, it's an allegory for. The fascists do already own us, and we aren't seeing it because yeah. we've got TV and we've got we've got all this entertainment. We've got our iPhones. We've got these mag, you know, magazines. We're just entertained to death. And the whole idea of putting on sunglasses and showing you the real message behind all the movies and all the TV and all the toys and all the shit is that they own us. It isn't aliens. I. I in a way, I wish he'd yeah. have driven home in the end, really, the point that the aliens are us, or yeah. are yeah. corporate overlords, rather. Well, I because like that, that's, uh, the real, that's the real castigation of the 80s, is that, like, no, not <laughs> yeah. everyone can make it. Trickle down is another way of saying they're pissing on us. Yeah, yeah but he's also othering them and saying it's okay to shoot them with a shotgun, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, I mean... Well, the images of it were super effective. I'm, you know, I'm. It's it's 1988, so I'm like what 17, 18 years old, and I just, you know, that was one of those things where you're right at that, like just about to start college age, and you're like, wow, man, the truth has been revealed to me, man. The scales have fallen from my eyes. It totally was the right thing for me at that point in time. There's that shot 
right after, you know, the big city shot where he's just walking down a newsstand. And the thing is that the newsstand is nothing but magazines, and all the magazines are just pure white with one word on each page. And it's just this big wall of it. And it's, I mean, that's some stunning imagery. It's great. Yeah, Yeah, it works. Well, again, but again, it's like that's the reality of all of that. You know, I think that's what he was trying to say is the reality of this money is the reality of this. this advertising is oh yeah yeah um well yeah. and and that imagery inspired an artist named shepherd fairy who made the obey uh andre the giant sticker the andre the yeah. giant has a posse thing um that was he's he's attributed that directly to they live this is the same oh. artist by the way who went on to make the obama hope poster yeah. and the muslim woman with the american flag hijab um did he do like, the one that's that was in New York where they they did Trump, but it was back to they live. It was just the obey, and they did Trump with the I they live don't makeup. Know. Yeah, <laughs> someone bought like a whole know. big whole big billboard like near uh, you know Times Square or something, and it was basically just Trump as one of these stupid aliens, and it just said obey. It was well, the like, first alien Roddy Ripe. Piper sees at the newsstand pretty much has Trump's hair. So yeah, you know, yeah. Not that's right. That's right. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> what are you looking at? Well, and I like at the end, too, if you follow the allegory. So Roddy Piper manages to get into the transmission nexus where they're sort of beaming out this subliminal masking uh, to hypnotize us all. And he gets up on the roof and he and he basically takes out the dish, but not before he gets fatally shot himself. So the last yes. image is Roddy Piper giving a finger to God knows what, like the helicopter or whatever, but basically just the man. But And that's where it ends. It's like, it's such a downer though, because you, if you follow it through, you're like, well, I bet you they've got other towers like this and they're going to seal that gap well, pretty you don't remember quick. the You don't remember the <laughs> ending ending? There's like yeah. the very, very ending is yeah. uh, a woman in bed with a dude oh, when know, all the shit churn turns off and he's like, what? And she realized she's fucking a skinless alien guy. It's like yeah, everybody yeah. now is aware. Yeah. Yeah. Which so is, that, that's not going to get undone easily. That's the point. He dies, I think, but he gets Yeah, I think it would have made exposed. for a great part two where all the alien things are like, okay, well, I guess the jig's Ooh. up. So we're really going to march you into, into uh, uh, concentration camps now. Yeah. that would The vibe would have been totally different on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Well, and this is also one that they had talked about remaking. Uh, I think Matt Reeves at one point was set to yeah. to do it, and I think that's a mistake to even touch this one because it's just it wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't it work. No, it they're going to turn it into a, like a seven season long yeah. HBO series. And People drag. Are, yeah, they're still not <laughs> smart enough really, for this. That yeah. uh, what's the name of the? Well, I I mean anyone can look it up. The 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 girl from the Netherlands. Who uh, she got to speak at the UN? Um, oh, Thun- Thunberg. Yes, and she yeah. had said, you know, she was saying, you know, how dare you sell off our future? Uh, you know, this is for your profits. She had this comment about your profits, and mm-hmm. the the reaction globally was, well, what? We have to give up profits? What? What's wrong <laughs> with profits? <Yeah>. But we <laughs> like money. What's my mama? If you tried yeah. to make they live and deliver the same message, you'd get the same reaction. Oh, what? So money's bad now? Fuck you, commie. Yeah. 
Yeah, so basically, we're not just living through 80s nostalgia in terms of fashion, everybody. We're living through 80s political nostalgia as well. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. people are myopic and forget. And nothing easily. gets better. Uh, nope. <laughs> well, I like that this is a stripped-down movie as well for Carpenter. I think yep. as much as I love Big Trouble in Little China, uh, I do think that that was necessary in his career uh, to kind well, of bring him back down a little bit because it's, he it's was like starting was to get crazy star trek or really any creative endeavor like restrictions limitations breed yeah. creativity yeah true yeah because he uh, I, he did that one and, and they tanked and this one it was like a three million dollar budget and they shot it in like eight weeks boom yeah big big trouble in little china has a lot of great stuff in it but it is over long and it is too fat i mean you can see that it needed a lot of scaling down yeah. or it needed more money in other places, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of good that it failed. Everything after that, I think, is more interesting. Well, maybe because after this one, he did Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Okay, I, I have, take it back. <laughs> yeah, I have extreme problems <laughs> with that one. Uh, and then I, uh, and then I, a couple I, years I later, like he that- did the. Yeah, like he said, he would never make a sequel to one of his movies because the only reason anyone goes to a sequel is to see basically another version of the same film again. And so when he was finally forced to make Escape from L.A., he literally Mm -hmm. made the same movie again. Yeah, he's literally quoted as saying, yeah, the only reason that people make sequels is so they can make the same thing because it's safe and people want to see the same thing. So that's why they go to sequels. And and then he literally made the same goddamn movie. As if to prove his point. he's consistent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that was was funny. Uh, But this one, like, where would you rate this in the, the Carpenter oeuvre? Like how oh. high up would you put this? Oh. One? Way high. I, I mean, it's it's after Halloween. It's after Big Trouble in Little China. It's after the thing for sure. But maybe fourth. Okay. Yeah, I'd say what the thing, Dark Star, uh, 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 Prince of Darkness, then this. Interesting. Eric pulling yeah. out some deep cuts on that. I like one. Prince of Darkness a lot. It's a fun movie, and that still it still freaks the shit out of me. Yeah, so that's why I of, like it so much. Yeah. It works. <laughs> yeah, it's just very. It's very like. Uh, have you ever seen the Haunting by Robert Wise, the early '60s one? I don't. I don't uh, think I have. Oh, that one is all mood and atmosphere. It's basically uh, people with like extrasensory abilities, like they can sort of vibe things, end mm-hmm. up in this uh, haunted house for an experiment and then basically one of them just loses her fucking mind through the course of the thing because the ghosts are just very malevolent Mm. it's like all atmosphere it's all creepy that's the vibe you get with prince of darkness yeah so it's a weird if you look like you go from big trouble in little china to prince of darkness that's like a 360 about face 180 whatever uh and then you go to they live which is sort of uh a weird Veer off of that sort of path. It's like his career doesn't make any sense if you look at it in a linear fashion. But I think I think Brian is right. Once you scale John Carpenter down specifically, he gets better because yeah. Prince of Darkness has one of the best scares ever in a movie, and it's just done with like a handheld video camera with the <laughs> with the narrator saying, "You are not dreaming this. This is a." broadcast from the future that we can only reach you in your subconscious and when they said that 
the hair on the my back just stands up like that's the creepiest shit <laughs> ever and then satan comes out of a church it, yeah. it's like that's just how do i scare the fuck out of people with you know eight bucks yeah and, and he does <laughs> that's it. how you do it that's how yeah. you do it well yeah they so, live as a nice little uh departure but it's still fun so the the only other thing i have to say about they live is yeah um there's a game called saints row four and in saints row four keith david plays keith david keith, listen and to me. at one point there's a they live themed level and you unlock a rowdy I'm roddy piper skin choice. in this game Get away from <laughs> nice. So, there you go. Guys, there you go. Hey, I'm Roddy. Roddy Piper. Hey, I'm President of the United States. So fuck you. Sure. Why not? Well, Prez, we got visitors. Soon! The whole world will know the truth! The satellite's what's controlling Keith. You take care of it, I'll handle him. Well, I like the fact that... Uh, talking about scaling it back that carpenter he's a he's a pro i mean he knows how to make a good solid flick but he basically for roddy piper told him uh here's this character i want you to go and just create his backstory but don't tell me about it i just want you to create that so you have it uh so that we can see that on screen and so yeah apparently roddy piper came up with this giant backstory for his character (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that you never right. hear anything now, about. Roddy Piper is now dead, and dead. no one knows it. Yeah, no one ever will. So but now, when you watch it, you like you don't really need to see it, do you? Because when you first see him in the film, you can you can see in his eyes that he's got a lot of shit behind him. Yeah, you know, I mean that history is there. It worked. Yeah, which is fun, but it's also kind of a funny juxtaposition too, using him as the star. Because when they went out on the press junkets carpenter was all talking up the anti-capitalist fuck you reagan sort of vibe that he was going for and he wanted piper to talk that up as well but piper was very hesitant to do it because he was actually working in the country under a green card so he didn't want to get real political <laughs> so he well, was let's a- face it his audience for wrestling is probably pretty heavily reagan supporting yeah right? so, so he yeah he didn't want to hackle any anybody uh so he he kind of hewed pretty middle of the road which always makes me think of the line too when keith david is telling him he's like man you just gotta walk the white line man walk the white line he's like white line that's the middle of the road that's the easiest place easiest to place hit. to get hit <laughs> and i think we could end it on that if we wanted to we can yeah Okay. But not before we tell you that you need to get in touch with us to tell us what you want us to talk about. Because you've yeah. listened to the whole show, which means you'll like us at least a little bit. Yeah. So you can find and- us on... Let, let me see if I can get it right this time. <laughs> Facebook <laughs> you fucker. at Magnificently Huge. Uh, and on Twitter at MagHuge. Yeah. And you you can email us at magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Am I am I how am I doing so far? You're good. good. You're you're okay, five okay. for seven. You, you can find us on on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you partake of podcasts, obviously, because you're partaking of this. And we would appreciate a review, even if you didn't like it, so we can find out what you don't like so we can do better and we we love reading your comments we'll even read it on the air if you uh think this is on the air and um oh god i ran out of things to say you can find our old shows at our website 
Maghuge.com. M-A-G-H-U-G-E.com. Yeah. Check it out. Or don't. Obey. Watch. <laughs> consume. <laughs> marry and reproduce. <laughs> and fade out.